0: Hello and welcome to Diagnosis. We're going to do something different this time. In the spirit of the spookiness, we're going to be discussing cases. Cases so profound they have significantly impacted the lives of the doctors. The reason I'm bringing this episode, which is way different from you know the character of the show, is because the public there is a generally held opinion that doctors lack empathy. Doctors do not care about the patients that you have to, you know, attend to every day, especially in Nigeria, since that rhetoric being thrown around on Twitter. But I wanted to, I wanted to bring this to the fore of the public because I wanted us to understand just how significant, you know, how much these events impact the lives of doctors some are so affected they completely leave clinical medicine. Some have to be checked into mental homes. Some just, you know, have this new sense of self that makes it even difficult, really, for them to do anything other than look for a way to find a solution to make sure that no other person, you know, becomes a victim of this. They are so absorbed in their work that they lose yes. their sense of self. I hope you have a wonderful time. To these stories, and maybe that can even stir up some emotions in you to be empathetic towards the doctors that risk their lives daily to make sure that you have your life. I will be joined in the studio today by the wonderful, wonderful Dr. Martha. I will be reading some stories. So before I get right to it, let's introduce you to the wonderful Dr. Martha. It's lovely to have you again.
1: Hi, always a pleasure to be here.
0: Welcome. So, (laughs) before I would even go to reading the stories, you heard me right. Tell us that one thing during your brief stint. Are you out of clinical medicine? (laughs) Wow, it's the brief stint (laughs) for me. (laughs) During your brief stint with clinical medicine.
1: (laughs) I'm (laughs) not out of clinical medicine, but
0: okay. Okay, during your. Okay, just give me one scenario or two depends on you depends on how affected you've been right that has profoundly you know affected you that in any way.
1: Oh okay. Um I don't think I have anything scary <laughs> that has happened but um I don't have any scary stories to give you. Wow. No, I think wow. Um I think as you said i think the detachment came naturally to me i have been detached since day one so no matter how much i bond with the patient or um get really i will give you everything i will care for that patient like they're my relative i will do my job i would really be invested in the case but once there's a negative outcome honestly i'll feel sad in that moment but i will move on real quick so <laughs> i'm sorry to say but one case that did maybe affect me that happened in medical school and it, was, it didn't seem serious to anyone else but i think in that moment i was like wow so i think that was in my final year and um during my internal medicine posting so we still have these morning reviews which were basically morning meetings where the team on call, represented by the most junior residents usually, would come out, stand before a crowd, before a gathering of the orgas, you know, and basically be fileted. I
0: know that. So
1: so yes, so that was basically every single day, Monday to Friday. Yeah, that was a normal occurrence. So I remember one such incident and there was this resident who, yes, nobody well, none of the guys really seemed to respect, maybe because of the circumstances surrounding his residency, you know, multiple failed exams and so You know how it can be. So um, he was giving his presentation, but then he seemed to, he had obvious anxiety issues. So he would have, he would stammer a bit. He had this intention tremor thing going on. So yeah, I think they were just not fans of his generally so all of a sudden he had a seizure and i think everyone was really shocked Mm -hmm. i personally didn't even know he had well it's not like we knew him like that but i didn't know he had a seizure disorder or anything like that but he had a seizure right there like he was on the floor of course his colleagues rushed to his side trying to you know use their medical knowledge to help one of their own Mm -hmm. which is the expected thing and then I still remember the nonchalance displayed by the elders. It really took me for a loop that day. I remember one of the consultants turned back because they usually sat in the front row. Or, okay, no, the, the very serious ones that like trouble sat in the front row, but most of them sat in the back row. So one of the consultants turned back to us and said, Students, I hope you can see that. So, you, what's that condition called? You, what, what, are, what could be the possible causes? You, they turned it into, <laughs> into a percussion session. Into a teaching, a teachable you moment.
0: You didn't have scary. Stories. I did not. No, was, was
1: scary. Thing. It, he turned it into a teachable moment, not and then lick of care, empathy zero. So I don't know. I can't remember if he was the one or another consultant. Basically, told him like, obviously he wasn't fully conscious or anything, but basically said to him. Uh, when people are done with him, let him come and continue. Uh just I know maybe that was a joke or That's just being sarcastic, but the entire experience honestly put me off clinical medicine because I did feel like I've seen people in other jobs in other in other sectors, and that human empathy is always there. It's so funny because my mom has come to visit me and seen me sick. When I say sick, I could barely stand. And she said, why can't you call and tell them you can't come into work? And I said, I don't just want Wahala. Let's avoid this. I will go to work if I can't stay. As in, I will walk. Not that I will go to work for them to see that I'm dying. I said, if I can't stay, I will speak to them and at least they can see that I'm dying. <laughs> yes. So I told her because when you start to make excuses, as they say, yes, a serious medical Issue can be an excuse to them. When you see the same senior colleagues with patients, you will not know they are the same people. They will be so sweet and caring and really empathetic. But when it concerns their actual colleagues, they just believe anything goes. So yes, in that moment, I really questioned: Do I want to go into this? I can't imagine myself in residency, going through something like this—a medical challenge—and this is the attitude of my August so yes that's that is my scary story that that
0: was scary (laughs)
1: because i I, I don't think i can imagine having
0: a seizure or an asthmatic attack and it's like as we were because like do i mean that little so let me say my own so mine was a patient right what happened was this woman of blessed memory now she was sick she had she had three wonderful daughters. Ah, they were the most beautiful little girls I had ever seen. So cute. and then she was brought in from Benue. and what happened was she was sick a month prior. she had malaise and a fever, it was as if she was going to, she was having malaria, you know the regular symptoms and then she just passed out then she was taken to the hospital and then they said she needed blood she was transfused and the blood was not properly checked because it was in a rural community in Benway state and then she had hiv and then uh she started losing weight they said it was cancer they did some uh you know examinations and she started having you know um her abdomen started increasing right and then they're like uh This does not seem. This might be a cancer. So now she has both HIV and cancer, right? So they bring her to our facility in Abuja, and you can see that there is obvious, you know, and she she just she's she has lost weight. All the signs of a malignant problem is going on, and nobody's even discussing the HIV now because like just wait, the problems are too much. We check it and variant c a which is already at cancer sorry see it's cancer for my non-medical business which is already advanced and then this woman is there and she now has even a kidney problem so she now has for for some reason it has just progressed to end stage her kidneys are shutting down she's having multiple organ failure and we're trying to do our best the family is bringing the money the sister is there taking care of her she's like no no this is my sister that trained me through school my sister that has been there for me i have to take care of her doctor told me she'll be fine and i'm like (laughs) no
1: don't don't ask me
0: i'm not supposed to be asked this question and i'm there and i don't know what to say I don't want to lie to her. The truth is, this woman will not make it. So we had given her like two days. She came in like, so we gave her two days, right? I mean, she makes it past the second day. It's a miracle. So we're seeing this she can't breathe because there's metastasis of the this into the lungs, right? She can't breathe. Her, she, her stomach keeps swelling. We're draining the fluid. Her heart is weak. She's just having multiple organ dysfunction. And she's there praying for her daughters and holding them and telling them she loves them. Mommy will be home. And that was now my patient. I come in the morning and all of them are praying for mommy, taking their turns to pray for mommy. Before I even check mommy's blood pressure. They are pre- so I just was going to the nurse's chat. What was her blood pressure this morning? Because that scene, I just, I didn't understand being there. And I think that was the one to intrude. That was not happening after my mother's death. So it was... It was kind of hard for me, you know. And then I'm seeing this happen. The mother is praying. The daughters are praying with her last breath. She's praying for everyone. And her husband, oh, goodness gracious, her husband is there holding her hand. And then the next day, I'm on call. You know, after she was brought in, I'm on call. I'm making my way to call. And the sister starts screaming, doctor, doctor, doctor. And I'm like, what is going on? My sister granted this day she's already on oxygen she's already on ng tube she we're trying to decompress we're trying to also help her she had aspirated and i just i just watched this woman breathe her last and for me the detachment came easy if a patient should die i just say pray and move on i get their names down i book a mass for them because i'm catholic right but I, i i froze And I just realized in that moment, I don't think I want to be here. I don't want to be here. Take me away from here. I I don't want to be here. Anyway, that was my experience. And that was one of many. Let me read you a story. Mm, So someone sent me this. I was working at a private hospital one time. And I saw this 70-something-year-old woman. She presented with a few days' history of cough. Examination was unremarkable, so I managed her for upper respiratory tract infection. She came back with the same cough about a week later and some back pain. She, the woman denied any trauma or injury, but the cough seemed to be getting worse. The back pain was not excruciating, so we, thats himself and the MD, right, thought it was just maybe a masked pain or something. They gave her some antibiotics for the cough and sent her on her way. She kept coming back with the cough and the back pain. We decided to do x-rays at this point, and the x-ray came back normal. Yet weeks upon weeks upon weeks, she will come back with cough and back pain, mostly after like a week or two breaks in between each presentation. So what do you think, Osa, you wrong with this? So that makes me look crazy. No. <coughs> Let's just go. Is it TB? So I'm thinking TB too. We did an X-ray yet again. Maybe POTS? Because she's having back pain, TB. Spine. Yeah. Possibly. We did an X-ray yet again, and we noticed a fractured lower rib. She was sure there was no trauma, and we decided to refer her to a tertiary center for a pathological fracture. I kept in touch with her, and it turned out she has had a nephroblastoma that had metastasized to her ribs. She passed away two months after the diagnosis. It was a really sad ending that changed my approach to frequent presentations by doctors. I pay more attention. The patient receives every possible care offered. We know that with the financial constraints in Nigeria it can be a bit difficult, but I try. That has shaped me in a way that I can never shake off. Now, I'm in the United Kingdom and I'm practicing in an environment where there's health insurance. But it will never stop me from making sure that all boxes are ticked for any patient with frequent presentations. Um. <laughs> uh, that, that, that's, that's
1: really scary.
0: That should that person.
1: Yeah, and oh no, it would shake anyone. Though I would say that the temptation. To stick with the common things called commonly, um, upper respiratory tract symptoms with unremarkable examination yeah. findings and all. So just think, oh, okay, nothing else seems to be really wrong right now. And take antibiotics, take expectorants, I done
0: it in take expectorants.
1: But yes, a chronic cough, of yeah. course, you start to think of something more sinister. Well, she
0: didn't present it as chronic, that's the thing. She said it was. Mm-hmm. It was a cough that had started a week ago. So maybe that was what took his mind off of T B. But me coming with that pot, maybe it's you know a long term sequelae of T B that had maybe the
1: Okay, but now you said it was in the nephroblastoma that killed. Yeah, her. it was the nephroblastoma. That was, okay, so that was TB. Mm. So now
0: <laughs> anyway, um progress so god rest her soul so this is one of the reasons why i feel like doctors are really detached when you see a case like this where do you how do you recover from it where do you come back from this has happened this has changed you so many of them just go you know what if you continue to give so much emotions to this patient you have none left for yourself i've i, I know there was a case one time there was this young doctor so it was there in a housemanship and this woman came in Oh, I'll never forget that she came in with postpartum hemorrhage. She had just given birth in another facility and she was rushed in with postpartum hemorrhage and this doctor was trying her best, doing everything and she was doing it, you know prepare the theatre, take this woman in, everything rush, it's an emergency, everything is ready as they are willing her in.
1: What is the blood required? They said we need four points of blood the husband said this, oh I'm all positive take my blood, the doctor that is about to assist for surgery saying I'm all positive take my blood. A clown. And then, and the funny that he's ready and the woman just dies in front of so him. if he faints during the surgery so
0: it was going to be two now so he's a junior resident with a senior day so the two of them will perform it together I, was I don't know but in that moment he's just trying to think right
1: i beg all those and theatrics i don't read them sorry <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I could as in me i was the house officer day i could see all the chaos and the woman just passed out she just died in front of him. And he was holding at her like, okay, we're going to the theatre now, get the blood. Well, but
1: postpartum oh, hemorrhage, I, yeah, mean, I know. it's not surprising. And me. you know the funny thing was this was not his
0: first case with postpartum hemorrhage and all of that. Patients have died. But it just the way it just happened, it just, he just he froze for a few seconds. He froze. You know, and uh, I mean that was something that profoundly changed him. It was so you can imagine. Let's 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 come back to that when I mean, wow. Anyway, so now that brings me to this very important question. With the advent of mental health advocations and the rest, don't you think it's time that this is incorporated into medical practice? That when you lose a patient, there should be psychological evaluation. Don't you think that's one thing that we should even be able to do differently from the older generation? Because how how do people cope after having such an experience? How do you just go in if you are the time that cries, cries, clean your eyes, and you're like, oh, doctor, there's a patient in bed for me? By the
1: time you are even crying, your chief is already looking for it. you. Where is this foolish doctor? Exactly.
0: Like,
1: yes, that time? my officer <laughs> a- said. think it's
0: time. I, I, for me, I think it's time. I think these are things we should start advocating for. You know, there should be mental health services in the hospital. And why do, do I even. I, I have a personal experience, right? And I'll bring it in. So I have lost my mom right last in 2021 and I will never forget how the doctor spoke to me so from the look of her case I knew she was going to die I didn't want to accept it but I knew it so my plan was just you know what let me see how things go I was medically I knew it but I wanted to have faith and believe that God could do something. Yes. And I, I was trying and struggling between my faith and my clinical understanding of the case. And the doctor comes in and she says, Can I speak to you for a moment? I come and she says, Hey. So yeah, the doctor that I said, Yeah, she said, Hey. ah, ah. ah And I'm like, Yeah, yeah. She's "Okay." This was the tone of her voice. I'll reporter. And then I say, no, 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 I'll I'll tell my father. And then she walks away. This was at 10. 10 no, 10:13. 10 Five minutes later, she arrests. My mother arrests. And in that moment, the doctor had gone somewhere else. There was no other doctor there. This was even a national hospital, and my father is in there. My auntie is there, and I just go, "You, you, up, nurse, get me a stethoscope." I became a doctor. I don't even know how I did it till date. And immediately she just. Started gasping. I just saw the dyspnea, everything. I was like "You, you, out! Get me a set of school. Put it in my ear." Started doing chest compressions. I was doing that, doing that. Stay with me. Chest compressions, breaking her ribs. I could hear it cracking. And then at ten, she dies. And for for like a good two minutes, I just kept looking at her. Before pronouncing her, I did pronounce her. Then a doctor passes by, sees me at ten twenty-two, and says. Time of death, 1022. And I said, no, 1018. Now I go back to the hospital mainly a week after, before her burial, and I see that case I was talking about earlier on, right? And I'm, I'm, I'm sad. And you know what my consultant tells me? Are you not on call? How do I how do I reconcile these two? What do we do? How do we make it so that it is mandatory? I remember calling my friends, because the way I broke the when I brought the news to my friend, it was very casual. It was, hey, how far? Um, So my mom is there, though. Talk to you later, though. <laughs> like, bye. I mean,
1: you know, so when do you, how do we reconcile that? What do we do? Hmm. Well, like you said, yes, there is some element of PTSD in the being at a job where you have to continuously see the end of life. It could get to you, so I uh, I wouldn't agree going as far as regular um, psychiatric evaluations. I think you should be regular. <laughs> Where is the time? No, there is. They should find the time. It's important. It's important. They should find the time. No, because you said okay after every time you lose a patient, I've been on call. Three patients died. Ah yes, you I did, did every single thing. <laughs> After that, I did, she did everything was she did. I was supposed to do. But it, these three people died at different times. Mm. At what point was I supposed to So as I was the one no, on call? After, after that. How were they supposed to know that the three people would die? Don't money with you after that they call
0: you ah dr martha if it becomes a practice it's something that can happen right and i think this is not something that we can exhaust now obviously this is something we will need to even call in our senior colleagues to talk about and and i think it will be worthy of another episode what do you think do you be willing to come talk to us about it okay hear from our senior colleagues and maybe maybe that one can tell you that there's time (laughs) <laughs> because I believe this. Time, right? I believe this. Time. Well,
1: that, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah, that would be lovely.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Martha. I love having you on.
1: It was a pleasure.
0: All right. <laughs> Bye, guys. And please, general public, I know that we've talked a lot today about some people, some of us that detachments came naturally to, but the truth is this. In spite of that, we're still human beings that just have l- learned better to package those memories and shove it at the back of our minds. Because, like she said, where do you have the time to I still maintain this time? I'm just quoting her. Where do you have that time? You know, so it causes a little bit of slack, especially when some doctors act very disassociated from cases. It's not because they don't care, it's because you have seen this too much for it to become
1: new. Sometimes this they don't the care. Issue. Because you're saying a doctor said to you oh sure you know your mother will soon die i don't think there's any excuse for that so i don't don't agree with yeah i mean
0: like the one that said as we have to students when he's done tell him that he should continue from where he stopped at the words you know that's that's it's
1: just and i i because she feels you're a doctor so but you're a doctor but you're still the patient's daughter so there's no way you are going to be detached in that so there was no reason for her to speak to you like that just it so happens that we let a lot of things slide in this country
0: anyway it was wonderful wonderful bringing the show to you and i hope we've all had uh, learned a thing or two from this episode and until next time i remain your host Catherine. welcome to diagnosis